welcome to HMSC Connects, where we go behind the scenes of four Harvard museums to explore the connections between us, our big, beautiful world, and even what lies beyond. My name is Jennifer Berglund, part of the exhibits team here at the Harvard Museums of Science and Culture, and I'll be your host. In celebration of the recent Juneteenth holiday, which commemorates the emancipation of enslaved African Americans, I'm speaking with Mrs. Yvonne Grosvenor, a resident of Sapelo Island, Georgia, and master basket maker whose talents are featured in our new mini exhibit, Rice, Seeds from Africa. Set within the Peabody Museum's Resetting the Table exhibition, the exhibit examines the legacy of rice cultivation in the Americas exposing the essential African knowledge systems required to establish what became a thriving industry, the horrific human toll the Atlantic slave trade took to maintain it, and the vibrant, enduring culture of the Gullah Geechee, descendants of enslaved Africans whose basket-making and coastal subsistence traditions continue today. Here she is. Mrs. Yvonne Grovner, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. You live on Sapelo Island. It's a barrier island off the coast of Georgia, which is home to a vibrant Geechee community. So who are the Geechee? And why is your Sapelo community unique? Sapelo is real unique because we only have a population of about 28 permanent residents, and they've been there from generation after generation. It's real unique because you don't find places like Sapelo no more. Peace and quiet, and still have all the Geechee culture of doing some of the Geechee stuff, basket weaving, some of the Geechee cooking, stuff like that. Who are the Geechee? They are descended from the slave of Thomas Baldwin and Balali. They've been here for generations. They're brought from Sierra Leone to grow rice and plant cotton and stuff on Sapelo years ago. Cornelia, Cornelia Bailey, Bailey, the Geechee historian mm-hmm. who lived on Sapelo, she talked about there being freshwater Geechee and saltwater Geechee. What does that mean and what's the significance of that? What they call saltwater Geechee is people who live real close to the saltwater. And if you live about 25 to 30 miles inland, they are considered as freshwater Geechees. So the people are like in McIntosh or Sapelo Island and even to like Liberty County, they were saltwater Geechees. So it's the freshwater Geechees are kind of like the mainland. Mainland. Mainland, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And then saltwater Geechees are the island. The island, uh, mm-hmm. close to the islands. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you were born into a freshwater Geechee family, but you married into a saltwater Geechee yeah. family on Sapelo. Can you talk a little bit about the differences are there differences between the traditions? Well, there's not much different between, you know, the saltwater and freshwater Geechee, this, the area. Mm-hmm. But, like, my husband, you know, he was born and raised there on the island, and he's considered saltwater Geechee. And it's not much different. You might hear a few languages a little different from, mm-hmm. you know, the people on the mainland. Yeah. How so? The, the way they talk, like, they'll say, I've been here, you come here. I'll be here when you're going from here. That means I've been here, you came here. I'll be here when you're gone. Oh, so, okay. Binya, come here. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the unique things about the Gullah Geechee Mm -hmm. is that a lot of the traditions that have been maintained are rooted in African traditions. Mm -hmm. If you go to a lot of black churches, you notice when they go in church, like me and my husband, we go in church. And most of the black churches, they have two doors. When you go in the main door, and then when you get ready to go in the center where it's two doors. The men's usually go on one side, the men sit on one side, and ladies sit on one side. That's one tradition that Guyichi, all Gullah people used to use. And then the way that people cook, cooking a lot of Gullah food, all Gichi food, and stuff like that. And so entering the church, is that from a Muslim tradition that mm-hmm. came from Africa? From Muslim. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So most of the traditions that remain are more food-based? Food-based and the basket weaving, the kind of casting that making, making the net to go casting mm-hmm. and go out to cast to catch the fish. Mm-hmm. You know, you find a lot of that, too. One of the traditions mm-hmm. that you have been extremely important in maintaining mm-hmm. is you are a master basket maker. And in fact, you were trained by a gentleman named Alan Green, mm-hmm. who made a rice basket that we have on display oh. in the Peabody Museum. And so you're kind of his protege. First of all, tell me about the baskets. What are they made from? Mm -hmm. And what were they used for? I know they're not used for the same things today, but what were they used for and why do you make them today? The basket weaving that is a tradition that came from Africa. And Mr. Green, he did taught me how to do the basket. And they used to make the basket for working in the fields. And also like the rice fanner, they used to use the fan the rice. They had a mortar and a pestle. They used to beat the rice and then pour it into the basket, and you shake it up in the wind so the wind can blow the shaft out and the rice fall back in the basket. And you had another round basket, which is called the winter basket. They used to pour that into it. That's catch the rice. The ladies used to have baskets, like sewing baskets. When they sewed, they had all put all their sewing materials and stuff in it. And you had like the fruit dish, but people make baskets now. A lot of people want them because they're handmade, and some people use them as bread basket and stuff like that. I just think this is so cool. One of the mm-hmm. baskets that you made mm-hmm. was in former President Obama's inaugural parade. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that basket. Yeah, we made that. Me and my husband probably got about close to 100 hours in that basket. Oh, my God. And we made it like the Moses basket for my grandbaby, my first grandbaby. We made that basket for her, and we got a picture with her laying in it. And they had a Gullah Geechee float in Obama last inauguration, and they wanted one basket from South Carolina and one from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And that basket was in a president parade. And also, in 2020, the governor usually picked 10 people to give the governor award, and they picked me. They gave me the governor award for 2020. Wow. And so last year, they contract me to make the 10 people that got the governor award last year a $350 basket each. Wow. And each one of them got one of my baskets as an award. Tell me a little bit about the materials that you use for your rice baskets. Yeah, it's called sweet grass. And we got two types of sweet grass. We got regular sweet grass called purple mule burger. And also we have sweet grass called spatina patten. And it's made from sweet grass and palmetto, sawtooth palmetto. When you go out and cut that grass, it's flat and you have to let it dry. Like it's now it's 80, 90 degrees. Within about two weeks, that you can use that grass. And with the palmetto, you have to shave the palmetto and scrape it down, make make a basket. And like if I'm using the palmetto and I can shave it down and keep it at least about two weeks, put it in a Ziploc bag, put it in the refrigerator, and when I get ready to use it, take it out, put it in a bucket of water, and I can use it. 
And if you want to give your basket different colors, you can also add pine needles. Get the brown pine needles. Never use the green, grass green. Never use the pine needle green. Always use dry. Why is that? Because if you use it while it's all green, eventually they're going to dry because all that water going to dry out of it. And they're going to make your basket real weak. And you can do different shapes of basket too. And so these materials are materials that are abundant on the island. Oh, yeah. Everything unnatural off the island, yes. I remember going out there with you, and I mean, the sweet grass is everywhere. It's in the underbrush, the canopy under mm-hmm. the massive, beautiful oak trees with the Spanish moss, just the landscape. It's just mystical, magical place. Mm-hmm. Also, that's why our baskets are much cheaper than the basket in South Carolina because, you know, we can go out and just cut grass. And in South Carolina, they have a shortage of grass and they have to pay people to go out and get grass for them. Why is that? Because a lot of places in South Carolina have been developed where they used to get baskets and stuff like that in Sacramento. We don't have all that development, so we got plenty of grass. <laughs> this is one thing that's really special about Sapelo is that there's sort of a depth to what you're saying because Sapelo is really... I'm understanding correctly, the last remaining holdout yep. community mm-hmm. where the environment is relatively intact and the community is relatively intact. And in other barrier islands where the Gullah Geechee previously inhabited, those are areas that have now been developed. So you really are this community of how many people did you say? 20, 28. 28. It's the last holdout. That type of community, yeah. Yeah. And that's a struggle now. I'm trying to keep that though because... You know, we're 28, and then we have, like, four school kids. We just had one graduate, so every year the population keeps going down because older people passing away, the younger ones leaving because there's no job. So we're afraid what's going to happen to the community in the next 10, 20 years from now. Yeah, because you were saying that a couple of decades ago you had hundreds of people in your community. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, when I married, I moved to Sapelo 42 years ago. In Hawkham, it was, like, 175 people. Mm-hmm. So for, from 42 years to now, you know, you're talking about 28. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's dramatic. Yeah, it is. And so how have the opportunities changed from then to now? Is that a fair question? Some like job opportunities? Yeah, job opportunities. Yeah. Well, not that many jobs. So that's why the kids have to leave. There's not that many jobs on the island. And so that's why the population keeps going down. Because both of my kids, both of them have to leave after they finish high school because there's no job. Would they have chosen to stay if they could have? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I know definitely my son, if yeah. it were jobs over there, he would definitely have stayed. But he still do his own private tours and mm-hmm. at his own tour business that he do on Sacramento. You're retired. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you did on Sapelo before you retired. When I first started, I worked at the Reynolds Mansion for nine and a half years. It was like a big mansion they have on Sapelo. They rented out and it was run under the Park Service Division. They rented out for groups. All kinds of groups can rent their mansion. And I used to work in the, in the kitchen, help cook and stuff like that. And I left the mansion in 94 and went to work the George Department of National Resource as a tour guide. And I retired in 2020. So now I do my own private tours and do my baskets. And sometimes cook for groups, like DNR have tour groups, and sometimes they call me and cook lunch for them. And like this week, uh, two basket class. I got University of Tennessee coming to the island, oh, wow. and another group coming to camp for two weeks. I got to do two classes. There's a group of teachers coming at the university. I got to teach them how to do the basket. So also on the island, we should probably say, there's a research station. Yeah, university of Georgia have a research center on Sacramento. 
And it's at like a coastal ecology, coastal biology yeah. research ecology station. station. They do a lot of research in the marsh and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the research station, the Reynolds Mansion, and mm-hmm. then the Department of Natural Resources, mm-hmm. and then tour guiding. Those are the big industries mm-hmm. on, on Sapelo. Yeah, yeah those, those are the only job. And you know, there's only so many jobs on Sapelo, so mm-hmm. that's why the population is still going down. So, But nobody from Hall Hammett worked for the university. It is work for either the Park Service Division or Wildlife Resource Division or Sapelo Island Reserve. Is there a reason for that? I guess because nobody on the island who went studying research, but they still have other jobs over there. So, so yeah. most of the people that work there have come from off the island. Off the, island. Off the university. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then Department of Natural Resources is a little different. They're more of the Sapelo residents yeah. are employed by. The Department of Natural Resources. Yeah, you have some employees for Georgia Department of Natural Resources. They commute to the island every day also, but you have some that work from the island work, and like the guys who work on the ferry, some of them is from the mainland, some of them is from the island. It's a struggle trying to fight to keep jobs and stuff on Sapelo and, you know, keep the people over there. Are there Sapelo residents that have been able to move directly onto the mainland and make a living there, but have kind of stuck around the area. Yeah, we have Sapelo resident like, finish high school, leave, go to college, come back in. They stay in Brunswick or Darien or Savannah. And, like, Alan Bailey also, he's from the Allen. He's a pro football player. And he went to Kansas City, played for the Kansas City Chief, and he went, left them, went to Atlanta Falcons, and now he retired. Some work at nurses and different stuff at and do a lot of these former residents, do they maintain their properties on Sapelo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of them keep their property. All their parents still have property. Some of them have parents still live, but most of them keep their property. We have had, some people have sold property, mm-hmm. and that will really push our taxes up with people selling, you know, land. And the person who buy it keeps selling to another person and keep a big amount of money, and that pushing our taxes up. That's, so that's also forcing people That's forcing our taxes up higher. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Who are the people that are buying property on Sapelo? We got one black girl that's from New Jersey. She bought a piece of property. She built a house. And then the rest of them, most of the white landowners who have bought property outsiders and bought property. If you notice when you was over there, all the houses up on stilts. Mm-hmm. And you see they're much bigger than most of the houses on Sapelo, what we call shotgun houses. Mm. Mm-hmm. What's a shotgun house? Shotgun houses where you can see out the front door through the back door. Mm-hmm. So you could shoot a shotgun like <laughs> straight <laughs> straight through all the way to the yeah, back door. Yeah, but those are the kind of houses that, you know, a long time ago people used to build on most of the islands. Mm-hmm. They call shotgun houses. Yeah. And so the ones on stilts are built that way because of flooding? Is there typically a lot of flooding on the island? Well, no, no. Because the last time that island really was, the major hurricane hit was 1898. Mm-hmm. But when Hurricane Irma, we had a little bit of flooding, but they didn't get that high. They got up to my top step. That's the highest it got mm-hmm. to my house. Most of them build them up on there because when they got them financed through the bank, they have to have them on still, but not as high as some of those houses. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be that high. Let's talk a little bit more about the origins of the basket making craft. Okay. Because we were talking a little bit about the materials mm-hmm. that you use to make baskets. And they're the materials that were available traditionally and currently available on Sapelo Island. So there's 
a lot of sweet grass. There's a lot of the sawtooth palmetto, which you use to bind the grass Love as it. you're wrapping mm-hmm. the baskets. Uh-huh. And pine needles, of uh-huh. course, if you want to add oh, yeah. color. Yeah. But the technique for making the baskets, at least from what I've seen, is also on display in our exhibit is a basket that was made in Africa. And you can see that the technique is very similar. Oh yeah. And the same, you, mm-hmm. you might say. But the materials are different. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like the materials that would have been used in Sierra Leone and yeah. Western Africa? I don't know what type of grass they use in Sierra Leone, but they're mostly about the same. And, you know, the technique, the same as they're doing it. But a long time ago, you know, like we used the nail on... And stuff, this level Mr. Green told us how to do it. A long time ago, you know, they didn't have nails and stuff. So they used to get the deer horns and sharpen them and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Any kind of tool they could have made mm-hmm. to do the basket with. Let's talk about the technique. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You have a clump of sweetgrass. Uh-huh. And then you tie a knot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and this is like the trickiest part of making the basket because you have to get this part right yeah. as you're as Yeah, you're that's the hardest it. part is starting it off. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you have the knot and then you wrap the sweetgrass kind of around the knot. You're going to take your whatever your tool you're working with, stick a hole right in the middle part, the harder part of the knot. Okay. And then wrap it around. And then you just keep going around. And as you go around, you have to keep feeding grass into it as you're working. And you wrap it, you bind the grass together yeah. kind of in a spiral uh-huh. with flat pieces of sawtooth palmetto yes. yeah, that you've cut. You use a knife, but what do you think would have been used back a long time, a long time ago? ago? I have seen they take like a piece of oyster shells and take the end of it and scrape oh. it down and stuff. It's just like if you see the basket in Charleston, yeah. it's a little different from our basket. Mm-hmm. Now they use the purple mule burger. They don't use Spartina pattern at all. Okay. They use the mule burger, and they don't use sawtooth pattern. Mm-hmm. They use the scent of the palm tree. Because one of the ladies came to visit me a couple of weeks ago, and because she wanted to get some palm tree, and I took her out, and she cut some palm. They use that scent of the palm. What kind of palm is it? Just a regular? Regular palm. Okay. What is it? Cabbage palm? Is that what it's called? Oh. Yeah, most yeah. capcom. They get the scent out. And, you know, when they first start and sprout out in the middle, they get that and it open up. And they'll grow another one. The palm tree will grow another one back in the middle. So it don't hurt the palm tree. That's another part yeah. of this, right? It's like the grass. You go out and yeah. cut the grass. The more you cut it, the more it grows. And a lot of time when the guy's doing the control burn, I like for them to burn it because it makes the grass grow better. Mm-hmm. So this is another thing. So you have regular controlled burns on mm-hmm. the island. Yes. And that really helps the ecosystem mm-hmm. because it would have been happening naturally mm-hmm. anyway because of lightning and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So burning the grass away, it basically encourages. Because during the growth. wintertime, you know, the grass begin to turn brown and die. Mm-hmm. And you don't want them to get them then because that's why I cut my grass like this time of year. Mm-hmm. This is when I cut my grass and put it up. The mm-hmm. habit that will last me to next summer. Yeah, because what I did about what, 15, 20 years ago, I wrote to the Reynolds Foundation. They gave me a grant. Mm-hmm. They built me like a little drying shed to dry my grass in. And they gave me that grant also to teach the kids on the island to weave the basket. But now all those kids now then graduate and then gone from the island. What are they all doing now? Like Alan was one of them. He's a football yeah. player. And Franny Bailey, she was one, but she worked at the Reynolds Mansion now cooking. But the rest of them live on the mainland and work in Brunswick at the hospital or something like that. Does Alan still make baskets? Do you know? No. <laughs> yeah, my, both my kids know how to make them. They know how to make them because they used to make them. Because yeah. when they was in high school, I made them make baskets to buy mm-hmm. the tennis shoes they wanted. My daughter liked to get them fancy hair do. <laughs> and so I made them make baskets, sell them, and buy and do it. I have my granddaughter. Now, she's she making baskets. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, Matter of fact, she's going to come and help me with this class this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. How old's your granddaughter? She's 12. We were talking mm-hmm. about different materials mm-hmm. from Africa mm-hmm. here on the American mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. And the materials used in South Carolina are the Muhlenberg grass. Mm-hmm. And it's called purple grass. Mm-hmm. Some people call it pink. Some say purple Muhlenberg. Mm-hmm. You have to look it up in the book to tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. And I definitely encourage people to look it up because mm-hmm. it's just, it's a beautiful grass. You know, a lot of places people use it as landscaping. Yeah. You know, they buy do landscaping. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think I saw some out here. Oh, was the doctor office? I think it was out here. It's so interesting that it's kind of hard to get that grass mm-hmm. in South Carolina nowadays. Yeah. And see, we have both of that grass in South Carolina. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you feel it's important to teach others the craft of basket making? I think it's important to teach because it is a tradition that came from Africa and is a dying art. So if I don't teach people, like how Mr. Green taught me, if, matter of fact, it took him a while to teach me. When I first came to Sapphire, I always wanted to learn, but he won't teach anybody. He said, no, I'm taking to my grave. He got a grant, the Historical Society, they gave him a grant, and that's when he taught about five of us how to do it. And so that's why I put in the grant get to teach people, and I still teach people how to do baths, and I go different places teaching. But I think it's important to keep it going because, you know, that is something that, your ancestors used to do a long time ago. And they used to use the basket for working in the field. So we want to keep it, don't want it to die out. Do you feel the presence of your ancestors when you make the baskets? Or- oh, yeah, the field, how they used to work. Because, you know, making a basket, you can't just make a basket in an hour, a couple of hours. It takes from 10, 12 hours or more to make that stitching time. That include getting everything prepared for it. And to see how they used to have to do then when they sell a basket, they might then get but a dollar, two dollars for those baskets then. This is an important week. It's the week before Juneteenth, which celebrates the emancipation of enslaved African Americans. Mm-hmm. And Sapelo has just started celebrating Juneteenth. And they've just started celebrating Juneteenth on the mainland adjacent to Sapelo, really since it became a national holiday. Is this a tradition that you feel will continue to be important on Sapelo and on the mainland? Is it something that you plan on participating in and celebrating, and why? Yeah, they started Juneteenth last year, was the first little festival they had on Sapelo. And it wasn't a real big one, but it turned out to be a good little crowd came over and they invited people from the mainland to come over for it. And they, you know, they did a lot of barbecues and stuff. And I think it's important because that's when the slave was free. And so I think it will get bigger and bigger each year now that we starting to have it. I think it'd be very important to yeah. get this and I will participate because I will have to cook because they asked everybody to bring a covered dish and they got all the guys, all the guys can get together and barbecue the ribs and the chicken and all that stuff. So, and you have to make your rice and oh, the yeah. beans and, doing, you know, all these stuff. i peas and rice yeah. for, them for this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yes, the red peas, not the beans. Red yeah, peas red peas. Mm-hmm. red peas. And that's one of the little, little peas that we grow here on the island. And that's what the slaves used to plant. That's one that they used to plant on the island a long time ago. The red peas, this is another thing that you're working to preserve, preserve mm-hmm. like the tradition mm-hmm. of growing red mm-hmm. peas on the island. Yeah. Is it, I'm asking this out of ignorance, but were the red peas something that were brought from Africa or were they cultivated from a variety? Do you know? 
I think they say that's the original red piece from Africa. And, you know, they used to grow that there in the purple ribbon sugar cane. Mm. So Clemson University have donated some of the seedless of the sugar cane to Psychars, that's the organization community. Mm. And now Maurice Bailey is now working with them, trying to grow those sugar cane. It's about the third year they have grown their sugar cane and grind and make syrup and sell syrup from it. Mm. And like my husband and Psychars, we just do the red peas. So, like, we got red peas growing now. So, mm-hmm. so we have red peas. And you can keep the seed from one year to the next year to, mm-hmm. to keep planting it. He got a good bit of red peas growing now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's mm-hmm. oh, sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. Seafood is very important in the Sapelo yeah. culinary tradition, mm-hmm. particularly in smoke mullet. <laughs> smoke mullet. Oysters. Oysters, clams. Clams. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is this something that you all still harvest? Harvest. Yeah, mm-hmm. like oysters. Any month with the R, they go out and get oysters. Sapelo have the best oysters because we have fresh, nice, fresh water. Then the clam, you go out and get clam, and then they go out and cast for the fish. My husband's one, like they have the festival every year. He'd be the one that smoke all the mullet. He uses smoke from two to 300 pounds of mullet. Wow. And people come out and buy the mullet like crazy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Nothing like a fresh mullet right off the scaffold. Mm-hmm. Oh. So which festival is this? At the Culture Day Festival, it always happens in October. Oh. But he does it also a lot of time on the mainland, to my house on the mainland. Okay. And he put the little sign side of the road. He can have about 300 pound mud. If you don't get there before 1 2 o'clock, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. You know, okra. Okra is a, yeah. a good thing that a lot of the Geechee's used to. They like rice and they like okra and make gumbo and stuff like that. But smoked mullet and okra are good too. Over dry rice. So it's interesting. It seems like a lot of the Geechee traditions that have been maintained mm-hmm. have to do with food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have your traditions, like the two different the doors. and going on how to catch the food and catch the seafood and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And what about in the nets? What are the Geechee nets made of? They're made of like twine screen. What's that? It's more like cotton. It's much heavier than a regular net you buy at the store. Okay. When they get wet. Mm-hmm. And that would draw the net further down and to make it sink in the water? Well, what they call a little bullet thing they make to go on the end, the lead, oh, to make okay. it sink. The twine is the big, the net part. And so that's ideal for catching mullet because mullet are, shrimp, are bottom feeders, shrimp. Mm-hmm. Any kind of fish and shrimp and stuff. So that's an important part of the culinary tradition. Mm-hmm. You also had mentioned before Wild hogs. Oh, yeah. The hunt. Yeah. The hogs. Mm-hmm. Which are not native. They were brought over brought at over. some point. Yeah. But you regularly mm-hmm. hunt them. And they have to hunt the deer. Mm-hmm. And deer. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they want the hogs going off of the island because the hogs, all they do is root up everything. And especially like this time of year, the turtle nest. And they oh, yeah. get out on the beach, eat the turtle eggs and stuff. So you want that oh, turtle. Yeah. You want them gone. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting, though, because it seems like it's an important yeah. food source. Oh, yeah. So, barbecue those hogs. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. delicious. Mm-hmm. I guess in terms of your culinary traditions, mm-hmm. maybe you wouldn't want to see them disappear yeah. completely, but in terms of the ecology. Yeah. But they're doing best. Yeah. I guarantee you, somebody's going to be cooking some wild hogs on that grill, too. Bit the regular poke meat they buy, ribs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that sounds mm-hmm. so good. One more thing about Juneteenth. We were just talking to your friend, Carlita, Carlita, Carlita mm-hmm. Jordan, mm-hmm. and she was talking about the Shouters, the McIntosh County mm-hmm. Shouters. Mm-hmm. Who are the McIntosh County Shouters, and what's the sort of historical significance? McIntosh County Shouters is a group from McIntosh. They're all from right there, McIntosh. They do what you call a ring dance. 
way they shout and they dress but the ladies have their hair all wrapped and have the long dresses on like the ladies used to do a long time of work in the fields mm -hmm. and they sing along a lot of slave songs the song that the slaves used to sing when they working in the fields and they do the ring dance when they do the ring dance you can't pick your feet up off the ground and the guys they don't use no kind of instrument they got a stick the guys beat the stick in the washboard like how they used to mm -hmm. have the washboard a long time ago mm -hmm. and Everything is no instrument. Everything is all the music are made from stick and washboard, and they sing the song. The guys be beating, and the ladies be doing the ring dance. Mm -hmm. And they clap their hands like how they used to clap their hands and stuff. So this is another tradition that has been carried on mm -hmm. outside of Juneteenth. Yeah. You know, this is a whole group of people that have continued this tradition for yeah. a long time, but hopefully will be continue to perform on, on Juneteenth. I think it's interesting though that. It has taken Juneteenth becoming a national holiday yeah. for you all to start celebrating yeah, it. Yeah. I think it's interesting to reflect on that for a second, like the meaning of making something as yeah. significant as Juneteenth. It took making it a national holiday. I mean, I don't think this is yeah, unique to yeah. you all, but mm -hmm. it wasn't something I knew much about before it became yeah. a national holiday. And it, there was a lot of activism leading up to the creation of it as a national holiday. Mm -hmm. But before that, I personally didn't know much about it. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to hear you talk about not knowing much yeah. about it. Mm -hmm. Just reflecting on that, do you feel comfortable talking at all about the fact that it is now a national holiday? Like, does that mean something to you in terms of the country? Recognizing yeah, you know, that they recognize it because they know how slavery used to be a long time ago. And now that they recognize it, you know, making it a national holiday to let People see, you know, what the slaves have gone through a long time ago. So I think it's very important to have, you know, it's nice that they did this. And for all of us to really remember. What are the greatest challenges that your Sapelo community faces as we move into the future? The greatest challenge is people holding on to their land. They keep the population, try to keep some population on the island. I'll bring, if he can get some jobs over there to bring people back to the island. Because otherwise, if, you know, you don't get jobs back, then all the kids leave. And I'm now in my 60s. And my husband and he's in his 60s. And, you know, a lot of people in the community now getting up in age, you know, it won't be hmm. nobody there to keep their community going. It'd be like St. Simon, a little vacation place for people to come on vacation if you don't have the community there no more. And just try to fight with the county, keep our taxes down. Right now, we got a lawsuit against the Mackinac County hmm. on a lot of stuff going on. They're not doing for us and we're paying all this tax. So mm -hmm. it's a struggle trying to fight to keep it going. If you all are no longer there, what happens to this history? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You all are doing so much to preserve that history and that culture through basket weaving, through growing red peas and rice and the, the traditional foodstuffs. Mm -hmm. And also there's an effort to make a museum on the island as well. Well, we're hoping to. I don't know how that's going to come out later. So we're hoping to have a museum over there. And so the county, they had a meeting with us about the senior citizen building. So people have put in proposals what they want their building to become. So we're hoping to do something with that. Mm -hmm. Seems still to be able to make it. And make it a museum on Sapelo. Yeah. Dishi culture. Caltoon, you know, stuff on the island, stuff like that. I'd love to see that happen. Mm -hmm. Not me too. I will. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
What's your greatest hope for your community and your traditions on Sapelo? You know, it's not the people who live on the island selling land. It's most of the people who from the island who moved away have sold. If we can get the people not to sell the land. If you want to do something, lease it out. Don't sell it. Mm-hmm. And that's to keep their land and get more jobs, get them back on the aisle, get more people there. And so we keep the community going and stuff like that. You know, people always ask, say, well, how do y'all feel about the tourists coming to Sapelo? It's good that the tourists come because that helped like the little store and help people. I mean, you do tours, that's money for us in the community. When you're on a private tour instead of state, the state tour and stuff like that, too. So that'd be nice to, for more African-American to come over to see. You know, the people on the island, because people in the island, most of them are African-American. So we like to see more black people come on the tours to see Sapelo and see the struggle they go through to keep their land on the mm-hmm. island and stuff like that. So just like in the Fusky Island, they was fighting to try to keep their in land. South Carolina. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. They was fighting to keep their land. I think they're still kind of fighting on really? some of that. And then like in the one in Harrisonette. And that's mm-hmm. in Georgia. Yeah, that's, that's in McIntosh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. They're fighting. That's not on the island, though. That's on the mainland from Sapelo. Mm-hmm. And they're fighting for that land. And if we get people to stop selling the land, and people stop building all these big houses that keep our taxes down, because otherwise... The tax is going to force you off the island, especially when you got people on fixed income and stuff like that. And another thing that I remember you talking about is how you wanted to see more children on the island. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I love to see more kids, you know, because they're the ones who are the future. So if we can get more kids on the island, you know that the future of Sapelo will keep the population going. Mrs. Grosvenor, thank you so much for being here. This has been wonderful. Well, you're welcome. And I was glad to be here. Glad to do it. I hope to see you again on Sapelo, though. Yes, <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right. Thank you. Today's HMSC Connects podcast was edited by Emma Knudsen and produced by me, Jennifer Berglund, and the Harvard Museums of Science and Culture. Special thanks to the residents of Sapelo Island, Georgia, and to Mrs. Yvonne Grosvenor for her wisdom and expertise. Thank you so much for listening. If you like today's podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you in a couple of weeks.